bitch. Is that better? Is bitch better? Is bitch better? Is bitch better? Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Bitches Better. I'm your host, Raven, and I'm trying something new today. I've decided to uh, break up the episodes a bit. So today I'm going to talk about Love After Lockup and 90 Day Fiance the other way. And then either tomorrow or Wednesday, I'll be back to talk about Potomac and Below Deck. Then at the end of the week, I'll be back to talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and some other things with a guest. Y'all know I'm still trying to figure out this whole flying solo thing. So let's try out this new schedule and see how it works for us. Okay. Um, Also, thanks so much for sticking with me through this uh, big change here. Honestly, it means more to me than you know, and I love you and thank you. Also, thank you for all of the birthday love last week. Y'all are seriously the best. And I had a great birthday. And Oh my god, I just realized I didn't tell y'all what I wanted for my birthday. So I know it's a few days later, but it still counts. (laughs) So for my birthday, it would be amazing if you could leave me a five-star rating and review if you love me and the show. It would make my day. But yeah, back to my birthday celebration. So my boyfriend actually uh, planned a low-key staycation for us over the weekend, and it was so chill and like right up my alley. Like it was perfect. So now I'm back and I'm refreshed and I'm ready to talk some shit. Let's go. (laughs) Let's talk about love after lockup first. Okay, so I'm going to start with Destiny and Sean because I think this is the one that had me the most fired up here. Oh, okay. So Destiny and Sean just got engaged, right? And Sean is like, okay, well, since we're going to be getting married, you need to meet Kelly, the mother of my six children. Um, because I want you to have a relationship with them and you have to have a relationship with her in order for that to happen. Okay. So they're at the restaurant and they're waiting for Kelly and, uh, Kelly rolls up and destiny literally will not even look Kelly in the eye. And it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. She has no reason to be acting like that towards this lady. She did not do a single thing to her. All she did was exist and create six kids with Sean long before Destiny was even a thing. Like, this is so stupid. So Kelly is just like, okay, listen, if I need to call you about the kids, I'm doing it. I'm not changing that. That's ridiculous. So Destiny gets mad and starts going off for literally no reason at all, talking about the kids are old enough to call him themselves if they need to. Like, girl, Go somewhere with that bullshit. You sound stupid as hell. These are children we're talking about. There's always some shit going on in life that kids know nothing about. They don't even realize is an issue or needs to be talked about. So no, they wouldn't be calling him about those things. So Kelly absolutely needs to be calling them whenever the fuck she needs to. And if it's six kids, there's always going to be something. Okay. So all along, like throughout this whole conversation, Sean is telling Kelly not to disrespect Destiny. And I am like, what the fuck? What? This is so fucking backward, Sean. But you know what? That tracks because he is a complete idiot. But Destiny has him trained well. I mean, I don't know what sort of threats <laughs> she was she was throwing at him, but it's working. And honestly, like, Sean is going to fuck around and never be able to see his kids again. But, like, 
I feel like I feel like that wouldn't even bother him as long as he has Destiny's dumbass around. It's like disgraceful, but it's like very on brand for them. So Sean says it's important for him that Destiny and Kelly get along for the kids' sake. But I'm like, well, you could have fooled me by the way you're handling this situation, which is very poorly, by the way. I mean, he is so on Team Destiny, like he won't he won't say anything against her, but he knows he knows she's completely out of line and being completely unreasonable, but he doesn't care. So um, Sean later is talking and he's just like, I think Kelly is jealous and that's why she's acting like this. And it's like, that woman does not want you. Okay. What she wants is to be able to talk to the person she created these six kids with whenever she needs to and not have an issue. And she should be able to do that. It's not a ridiculous request. And I just feel like, Destiny, if you can't handle that, then you don't need to date a man with kids. Like, I understand he lied to you about the kids, which should have been a red flag for your ass right then. But if you can't handle him talking to another woman that he's had this previous relationship with and like created human life with, then you don't need to date him. Leave that man alone. But like also, Destiny, I mean, Sean's sitting there like, yeah, you know, I basically chose you over my kids. And she's like, yeah, you know, and that's what it, how it should be. And it's like, what? If I ever met a man or anytime I see a man that does that, it's like you, I have no respect for you. And if this was a man that was like trying to pursue me, I mean, you would need to get the fuck away from me. And never speak to me again. Like, you are trash if you choose a person that you're dating over your kids, period. Not up for discussion. So then Sean's like, you know what? I'm just going to change my number and be done with Kelly. And I'm just like, bro, you are so fucking pathetic. Pathetic. That's what he said after the whole exchange. These women, well, really, it was just destiny because she started in with the disrespect and Kelly was just defending herself and I think she also was in shock like is this really happening right now like am I am I what planet am I on this is insane they leave and then he's like you know what when things cool down I'll try and call Kelly and smooth things over with her because I don't want to be able to not be able to see my kids and I'm just like bro you are such a fucking coward you need to tell Destiny to get her ass out of here the kids come first And that means that I'm going to be talking to Kelly whenever I fucking need to. And if you can't handle it, then get the fuck out of here. It's actually not up for discussion. So go ahead and go. You're going to go back to prison in in like a few months. So like, shut the fuck up, girl. So, um, Lord, then later, Destiny's taking a pregnancy test. So we'll see what happens there. You know, it's just interesting because... Okay, so if she is pregnant, I'd hope that she could put herself in Kelly's shoes and think about things from her perspective. Like, she won't, but she needs to. So, like, how would you feel if you and Sean broke up and then Sean got with some new girl and we won't even, the new girl doesn't even have to be like an ex-con, which is just some regular girl. And that girl was like, hey, Sean, um, actually, you can't talk to Destiny anymore. I know you have a kid together, but I actually don't give a shit about that. I don't want you talking to her. So it's me or, you know, her slash the kid. What like so like, what's up? 
she would lose her mind. She would absolutely lose it. She probably would be talking about body bags again in that situation, you know, but there's just like no reasoning with her. So yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. She really had me. She really had me mad this time before I could like enjoy her and like her shenanigans. But this is just absurd. And Sean, I mean, I'm not surprised. I just it's infuriating to watch. And I'm just like, where is your friend Hector to like call you dumb and tell you like you're not making a good decision? Because like we need more of that. We need more of that. You have no one talking any t- any sort of sense into you and you're making horrible choices. OK, so someone making mm, I won't say horrible choices, but not a great one uh, is Quaylon. So he calls up Chevelle and he's like apologizing for the night before when he was at the bar with his sisters and their friend that they were trying to hook him up with. And he was like not answering her phone calls and all of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, he definitely did need to apologize for that because it wasn't cool. But I also just think he needs to just break up with her. (laughs) But that's just me. So Chevelle is still pushing this whole marriage thing. And Quaylon is like, no, like, I'm not ready to do this right now. And I really wish he would just go ahead and end it with her. I just, I have felt like he already knows that like he wants to stay in Houston and he doesn't really want to marry her. And I wish he would just stop dragging the shit out. But here we go. So, uh, Chevelle, oh God, she's in the kitchen talking to her mom and she says something that is a huge pet peeve of mine. Hate it. So she said that Quaylon has done a 360 since he got out of jail. No, he did a 180. The 360 is just a circle and it puts you back in the exact same spot that you started in. What is so hard for people to understand about that? I don't get it. So many people get it wrong so often. It's wild. It drives me crazy every single time. Every single time. It should not bother me anymore, but it still does. So anyway, Chevelle's mom tells her, you know what? This man has been locked up for 12 years and he's never been in a relationship. So that's something to consider. And I'm like, yes, mom, (laughs) talk some sense into your silly ass daughter. Like what has taken you so long to say this to her? Cause she needs to fucking hear it. So, you know, it's like Quaylon basically he sold her a dream while he was locked up and that was fucked up. Okay. But history has shown on this show, at least (laughs) that this is what these people do when they're locked up, you know, like you were someone to pass the time, babe. And you know what? It's it is a definite possibility that he meant all of the stuff that he said when he was in there. It definitely is. But getting out of prison after being in there for 12 years is and trying to adjust to the outside world and all of that, like that changes things. And you have to take that into consideration as well. Like just break up for God's sakes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all. I just really want them to get away from each other. Um, and I'm so sick of Chevelle using her daughter as a pawn in all of this. She's like, oh, she's used to him being around and she thought he would be there forever. Honey, why does she think those things? 
Who who told her that was going to be a thing? He's literally only been there for like, what, a week or so? You put all of those ideas in her head when you had no business doing it. You did that before really even knowing this man. Like, why would you ever, ever, ever do that before seeing what things were going to be like in real life when y'all are together? Instead of being like, hmm, let me do a little test run before I get my daughter involved in all this. You thought it would be best to tell her, you know, what? that's going to be your daddy. And we're all just going to live happily ever after. No, that's your bad, period. You can't put that on him because you should have never done that in the fucking first place. So Quaylon, uh shows back up in Kansas City even though he's still having doubts. Also, Chevelle doesn't know that he's back. Like, this is a surprise. So he shows up to the house and everyone's excited to see him. And Myla and Chevelle's mom refer to Quaylon as Myla's dad. And I cringe. This is just so irresponsible. And I'm actually really surprised that Chevelle's mom is partaking in this foolishness. Like, don't, don't do this. Don't. Ugh. So Quaylon says, you know, he needs some time before they get married, but he is committed to her. And I was like, okay, that's, I mean, I think that's pretty good. And Chevelle seems like she's okay with that for now. But she's like, you know, I really was expecting a ring when he got out. And it's like, where, a ring from where? What money was he going to use to get this ring? Like, please let me know. Because, like, I, I mean, I don't understand. Ah, I just want them to break up, y'all. And I still think they will. I don't think that they're going to... I don't think this is going to be a thing for much longer. But we'll see. Um, so, Lindsay and Scott. <laughs> Remember, I said, okay, Lindsay and Terabelle are hanging out in the attic... And Terrible was like, oh, well, like, does he know about us? And I was like, oh, Lord, like they probably dated or something. Guess what? That's correct. They literally start making out in the attic. And then they talk about how like they dated for six years. And of course, Lindsay hasn't told Scott because she thinks he won't understand. And yeah, I agree. <laughs> he will not understand. Lindsay said she's not into monogamy, but she wants to have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And to that, I say, good luck. Um, Scott is not going to be down for that. Listen, he really wants her around and everything, but that's taking it too far for him. He's going to want her to himself. And I feel like if she told Scott that she, her and Tara Bell are like together or whatever, he'd be like, this is part of the scam. Because it is. <laughs> it just is. So anyway, Lindsay is shopping for the house because it's gross and Scott didn't do any fucking work in it. And she talks about uh, her dream home and that her dream home is 3000 square feet with all stainless steel appliances. And I'm like, okay. She says that she wants to smart home her house so she can control everything in the house from her phone. And all I could think of was that movie Smart House. Do y'all remember Smart House? It was a movie on the Disney Channel. And it was like this family won uh, this insane computerized home that literally did whatever the fuck you wanted, whenever you wanted. So you could be like, hey house, I'd like some Popeye's red beans and rice. And the house would be like, coming right up, Raven. And then it would be there. 
But so you could just literally ask for anything, not even food. You could just ask her to decorate you could, anything. But eventually, you know, she got out of control because she was trying to be a mother to the kids and a, a wife to the husband. And she was like super controlling, wouldn't let them leave the house. It was this whole thing. If you've never seen it or you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, you need to check it out because it's a great movie. It's on Disney Plus. Honestly, I'm probably going to watch it when I'm done recording this episode. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I hope Lindsay gets the smart house of her dreams because I too wanted a smart house after watching that movie as a child. And I fully thought that I would have one as an adult and I don't. And that's sad, but that's okay. We're moving on. (laughs) Miley Grace is adorable and she is so excited to be moving in with her mom. She is over the moon about this temporary room of hers. She doesn't even care about what they may be working on in the attic or wherever the fuck her room's supposed to be at. She's just like, oh my God, this is amazing. The walls are purple. So appreciative. She's such a good kid. And she looks just like Lindsay too. Hopefully she won't get into any trouble like her mother, but we'll see. All right. Uh, so then we also have, oh, bummer, Christiana and John. So Christiana basically just, she goes to turn herself in and it's extremely sad. And when she gets there, someone that is working at that police station or whatever the fuck it is, was like, welcome back. Don't fucking say welcome back, you asshole. Fuck you. I don't like, like, why would you say that? Eh, That's just nasty for no fucking reason. That pissed me off. But she's back in there and serving her time. So hopefully it goes by quickly for her. And hopefully when she gets out, she won't have to do the half house thing. Half house. (laughs) Halfway house thing again. Um, Because that's where it gets her fucked up. She needs some serious help. So yeah, best wishes to her. Okay, so then we have Maurice and Jessica, and it's time for the wedding. Maurice's family is in town for the wedding, and Jessica's dad goes by the house to meet the family, and it's really nice. And side note, I have become more and more attracted to Maurice with each passing week. I like I think a lot of it has to do with his height. But he also seems really nice. And like, he's just trying to do the right thing now. And listen, none of this is important, but I just felt like I needed to share this with y'all. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So on the way to the wedding, Maurice and his boys run out of gas because they are idiots. But they end up getting the gas. They make it to the venue. Big surprise that Jessica's sister shows up for the wedding. And... Jessica is so happy and so am I. It was such a sweet moment for them. Like I could have cried. And I'm just like, I wonder, I wonder what the mom said to her sister to get her to come. Because how the fuck do you, you cut your sister off, you stop talking to her for five years because she got with this inmate. And now you're like, okay, I'll just come to the wedding and it's all good. Like, did they not have any sort of conversation before this? Like, I just have a lot of questions, but I'm happy that she's there. The wedding was sweet and nice. Um, They had their baby and he is adorable. Sweet little Malik. So congratulations to them. 
Um, it said that Maurice got a job and he paid Jessica's dad back for the ring. And I am just so happy for them. And I'm happy that he's got a job and he's doing well and he's like staying on a good path. It's so nice to hear. Okay. And Jesus. So now we've got Heather and Dylan. Dylan has been out of prison for two months. He's still on parole, but he's living in a really nice apartment and he's got a nice job and he's making very good money. And it all seems kind of sketchy to me, but what do I know? Okay. He said it's some marketing shit. I don't know. So he's like cooking dinner and there's like two steaks, two wine glasses, two plates. And they're trying to make it seem like he's making a meal for himself and like some mystery woman that he's like dating or whatever. But it's just his mom. Okay, so she comes over and they're catching up and he says that he and Heather are broken up. And I am like, thank God they haven't spoken since that day that she was driving around like a maniac. And y'all, they literally, (laughs) they literally lasted for two days after he was released from prison. Two. And they were together for like three years or something, like while he was locked up, something like that. Um, it's just, it's crazy, but I'm happy that he's gotten away from her and Heather seems to be doing well. She said she's been building her business, which is sexy content creation. So I'm like, is that like OnlyFans or I don't know, but good for her. Um, but she feels like Dylan used her and like, I'm not sure how, because she and she's the one that was like completely unhinged like we didn't see him do anything to her and i'm not saying he didn't but we didn't see it and also there were only two days together like i don't know (laughs) but what i do know is i would love to get aunt diane's take on all of this i want to know what she said (laughs) what she said to heather after she told her that dylan her and dylan broke up I actually want to hear Heather's side of the story about like how the breakup went down because it's it's wild. But yeah, that's it for them. And so this was actually the season finale. So now we're going to get Life After Lockup, which I still don't understand why they made that the name and why they don't just call it another season of Love After Lockup, but whatever. So we're going to get some old couples and then a couple of the ones from this season here. I think Lindsay and Scott and Destiny and Sean might be on there. So yeah, we'll we'll see. I'll be covering it. So let's talk about 90 Day Fiance now. All right. So Jenny and Summit. Now, the um, if you remember, coronavirus just hit India. And so, you know, like everyone else, they're trying to figure out how to navigate this and they don't really know much. And Summit has bought sanitizing cards for them. And from the way that they've explained it, you just wear it around your neck, like on a lanyard, and it keeps the virus away. Like, that makes zero sense. But okay, like I said, you know, we were all pretty clueless at the beginning of all of this. But that one just doesn't make any sense if you just think about it. But whatever. Okay, so Jenny is telling Samit that whenever they go to Delhi, she wants for them to declare their intentions to uh, get married. And Samit is like, um, we got to talk to the lawyer first. And that set Jenny off. And I just don't get why 
she doesn't, why she doesn't understand that things are so much different there than they are in the States and that you, you can't just go around doing whatever you want all the time. Like there's rules and regulations and like she has been through enough with him to know that. So it's shocking to me that she's like, what? Why can't we? Why can't we do it? Girl, please. So they meet with a lawyer and the lawyer explains to them that if someone objects their marriage under the Special Marriage Act, that there is a way around it, but it's super expensive and you have to meet and you have to deal with marriage officers and all of this stuff. But they do have another option that they can do and they can go through with that right now if they want to. And that is the Arya Samaj wedding. I hope I said that right. So they can literally go today and get married if they want to. And Jenny is so happy to hear it because Samit's parents can't object to this one. So Jenny is lit and she's like, oh my God, amazing. We can even get married the same day as the ring ceremony, right? And Samit's like, well, um, but I want to talk to my parents first. And Jenny's like, absolutely not. Like they will stop you if you talk to them first. And I have to agree with Jenny on this one. Like, I, I get why he wants to talk to them first, but I do believe that they would do whatever they could to stop him because they literally said that's what they would do. <laughs> so whether it's under the Special Marriage Act or this Arya Samaj wedding, I think they would try and figure out something else because they are desperate for their son not to marry this woman because she's too old in their eyes. So Jenny's talking to her daughter and she's concerned that Samit is getting scared now that the time has come that they can actually get married and like nothing is standing in their way. And I think that's what it is, too. It's like it's all it's all happening really fast. And he probably is still trying to like process and come to terms with the fact that he's finally divorced and he's finally free of that and without having any time. (laughs) to process that. Jenny's like, yes, let's go get married tomorrow. Right now, let's do this. And he's like, just hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So um, later, Samit's brother and wife come over and they tell them that they're going to have a ring ceremony the next day. And they're like, you can come too if you'd like. And the brother and wife are like, what? (laughs) They were like, do do our parents know about this? And Samit was like, no. Um, and they were like, okay, but you're going to tell them before you go get engaged, right? Because like, come on. And Smith was like, no, I'm just going to tell them after we get engaged and then they can see our commitment to each other. And then they will approve of us getting married. And I'm like, Smith, you, (laughs) he's like so hopeful and cute. And it's like, I just don't understand how or why. Because his parents have made it painfully clear that they are not into this. And if they have anything to do with it, like, it's not going to fucking happen. So his brother is like, "Mm, okay, well, you know what? It's your funeral. So just be ready for the consequences because they're coming. And then Samit just, like, doesn't listen to that at all. And he's like, hey, so (laughs) actually, can you help me break the news to our parents about this? And his brother was just like, listen, 
I'm cool with y'all being together, but mom and dad aren't and they never will be. And if you do this, they are going to be done with you forever. Like they will never speak to you again. And then Jenny gets all upset and she breaks down and it's sad. But I just feel like they 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 knew this was going to happen. I feel like we, the viewers, knew. So it's like, how couldn't you? You're living it firsthand. I mean, I I would be shocked if they could pull this off and get engaged and get married and still have Samit's parents talking to him and he has like a good relationship with them afterwards. I just don't see it happening. I wish it would happen, but it just doesn't seem realistic. So we'll see. Um, they gave us a preview of the next week with uh, them meeting with his parents. Jenny and Samit met with Samit's parents and there was, it was loud and there were tears. And so, and things were breaking. So like, (laughs) I don't know y'all. Oh, so then we have Ari and Binyam and uh, Ari's parents are still in Ethiopia. So Binyam is showing them around and there's an incident with a chicken. So... (laughs) They're like walking around and they'd find this chicken and Binyam was going to buy the chicken. And when you do that, they kill it right there. And Ari was like, are they about to kill the chicken? Like, no, like, no, cancel it. We're not doing this. And she was getting upset. And then the mom was getting upset. And um, he was like, OK, OK, I'll just come back and pick it up later. And Ari was like, no. And he's like, hey, you know, every time you eat chicken for dinner, this is how we get it, right? And I have the same exact thought. Like, listen, I can understand you not wanting to watch them kill the chicken because why would anyone want to see that? But why are you telling him that he can't come back later and get it then and you won't see it? Like, don't you want to eat? And she's just like, no, no, no. And she's being kind of rude about it. I didn't... I didn't like it. And like, I just, I can't stand her. I don't really like Binyam, but I did feel bad for him in this moment because he's just trying to like show them his culture and he's trying to impress them. And he thinks this is the way to do it and they're not into it. And Ari's yelling at him and now he's embarrassed and oh, it was very uncomfortable. So uh, then Ari's telling her parents that Binyam just like leaves her home alone all the time. And like, honestly, if I have to hear this shit one more time, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to fucking lose it. Ari, if you want to live in a nice house that you feel comfortable in, then this man has to go to work. Him working equals him not being at home. If you want him to be home more, then he's not going to be working as much and you're going to live in a not so nice place and be upset about that. Like you can't have it both ways. Stop complaining about this shit. Also, what is telling your parents going to do? That changes nothing. And now they're all up in your business. If you're not happy, take your ass back to America where you will have company and you can live in a place that you want to live in. Ugh. So Binyam says this is the nicest, biggest place he's ever lived in. And he's loving it. Okay. He was like, it works for me. So then Ari's parents go to see their apartment and they're literally just like, yeah, you need a bigger place. And it's like, well, you know what? No shit, mom. But this is what they can afford. They can barely afford this. And your daughter is bitching and complaining about him working so much just to pay for this place. 
So are you going to pay the rent or what? But then it seems like she actually was going to offer to help them pay the rent, but they, it's like she, she wants to help, but then she's also like, well, Minion Machina, you need to get a job that's like this or like that. So you can have steady income. And he's not trying to hear that. And honestly, like Ari isn't really either, which is another thing that makes it so confusing because she's like, he's an artist. I want to support him. I want him to be able to do what he wants to do. But, and it's like, no, but, no, but <laughs> neither do it or you don't. Ugh. So then they have dinner with Ari's parents and Binyam's sisters. And oh my God, y'all. Ooh. So they talk about Ari and her temper and how she gets mad at yell, how she gets mad and yells at Binyam. And his sister is like, yeah, we don't do that here. And her mom is like, so you just let your husband do whatever they want and you don't say anything about it? And the sister's like, no, you you can talk about it, but you just don't yell at your husband. Like, that's unheard of. We just don't do that here. And Ari's mom is like, listen, I know my daughter can fly off the handle sometimes, but she generally has a reason for it. So I don't know if being a part of this culture is going to work for her. And Binyam's sister is like, listen, she needs to calm the fuck down because while Binyam is a patient person and he's very patient with her, his patience is going to run out eventually. So she needs to watch herself because once his patience runs out, he's going to be gone forever. And I'm just like, I don't see that happening. I think he needs to watch himself. Because once she's had enough, and I think she's getting very close to that point, she's going to go back to America, and then he's going to be crying over two kids he never gets to see. So, yeah. So the whole baptism thing comes up, and Ari tells her parents that she agreed to it because it's important to Binyam, and she's just not going to look that deep into it. And her parents are shocked, and they're like, what the fuck, we can't believe you made this decision. And she's like, I mean, Binyam literally came to me crying, saying it was so important to him. And he's like, yeah, it is. And she's like, I actually think it's more important to your sisters than it is to you. And then the sisters pipe up and they're like, yeah. And what about it, bitch? And then they say, if the baby doesn't get baptized, he's going straight to hell. And Ari is not with that. And she's like, Binyam? You know, I told you if you start doing all this hell talk around the baby, that's something that would make me leave. So then the one sister is like, oh, my God, you sound like his ex. And Ari's like, um, OK, well, that's fucked up. And it is. And she was like, so, Binyam, you're just going to let your sister talk to me like that. And Binyam just sits there silently. And the sisters are like, yeah. So and I was like, oh, my God. And like, that's where that subject ended right there. And like, honestly, that would have been it for me. Number one, you're not going to talk to me like that. Number two, you're not going to let your sister talk to me like that. Y'all have been pushing me around and strong arming me into doing shit that I'm uncomfortable with this entire time. And I have had enough. Number three, mom and dad, let's go. We're leaving. This is the last fucking straw. So the last thing we got from that conversation was one of the sisters asking her parents if they're worried about their relationship. And they were like, yeah, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but we hope it works out. So we'll see. And I'm just like, they're so nice. 
It's so positive. I just, I've never seen anything like it. Not on this show. Not on this show. So then we have Brittany and Yasin. Oh my God. <laughs> so Yasin picks up Brittany's drunk ass who was doing the robot <laughs> while she was waiting for him to show up. And he knows that she's drunk, but he's like, I'm not going to say anything tonight because I just don't want to fight with her. So he takes them to his barber shop and Brittany tries to drunkenly cut his hair. And you can tell that Yasin wants to be like, bitch, get your drunk ass away from me. <laughs> but, he, but he does a good job of not doing that because something you should never do is let a drug person approach you with a pair of scissors. Like that is an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> like, No, don't do that. So then they start talking about their relationship and Yasin says he doesn't care if Brittany converts to Islam anymore. And Brittany says that they need to wait like a year so they can get married, so they can get to know each other better. And Yasin agrees. He's like, you know what? I love you and I just want you to be happy so we can do that. And I am shocked. But then I'm like, okay, maybe he's not in a rush to get married anymore because his dad said he would kill him if he married Brittany. So maybe waiting a year just like extends his life expectancy that much more, which is good. But I still don't believe that he doesn't care about her converting. Um, also, Brittany's reaction is not what I thought it should have been. Like, she literally just got everything she wanted. And she's just like, okay, cool. She doesn't smile or look happy or excited or anything. Like, they are just sucking weirdos. So the next day, Brittany goes out to see Yasin's apartment. And guess what? She's got her tits on display yet again. And I just roll my eyes all the way into the back of my head. Why is she like this? It's just, like you're just disrespecting the culture on purpose because you know better. Ugh. So Yasin's showing her around his new apartment and he was like, hey, so this is the one room and this is the other room. So you can stay in this other room if you want. And she's like, but I like to cuddle. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. We can do that when we're married. And Brittany says she always thought the rules about them not sharing a room or a bed were coming from his parents. And I'm just like, you know what? This is exactly why I've been saying what I've been saying about this bitch. She doesn't care about Yasin or his culture. She clearly has not read one book, article, pamphlet or anything about his culture because if she had she would have known that the rule was not just something his parents made up oh so Yasin tells Brittany that he can't do the girlfriend shit for another year and it's really important to him that they get married soon like we're talking one month soon and he says that he really doesn't care about her converting to Islam though he just wants to get married like in a month and Brittany's like, okay, um, I just have like a lot of thinking to do. <laughs> but if we do this, you have to tell your family that we're doing things our way. And Yasin's like, okay, well, I don't know about all that because that's dangerous. And she's like, why is it dangerous? And he tries to explain it to her, but he says he just, his English isn't good enough. Like he doesn't have all the right words to say. So he's going to get a translator to have this conversation because she needs to like fully understand how serious the situation is. So I don't know, y'all. 
I think this is when Brittany's gonna be making her exit and be like, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. Because she doesn't want to do it anyway. Again, I don't even understand why she's with him, why she's over there. None of it makes sense. Because she doesn't even act like she likes him. So I don't know. So then we have Tim and my Lisa. And Tim tells his mom about the whole my Lisa sleeping with someone while they were separated thing. And surprisingly enough, his mom didn't bash my Lisa like I expected her to. She was just like, well, you know what? It happens, but this is where trust comes in. And like, you know, she loves you. I know she loves you. So just like go with that. But Tim's having a lot of doubts and his mom is like, hey, if it's meant to be, I support you. And if it's not meant to be, I'm still here to help you get past it. And it was a really nice moment. She's really sweet. I was surprised, though, that the mom and aunt were only there for a weekend. That seems like a really quick trip. I don't know how long the flight is, but it seems like you'd want to stay longer than a weekend. But what do I know? So then Tim and my Lisa go to couples therapy and Tim reveals that he's been thinking about going back to the States so that he doesn't ruin himself financially. And my Lisa knows nothing about this. So now she's upset and she's like, I just still don't trust him. So if he goes back to the States, that would be like a breaking point. Um, and the therapist says that the best thing for them to do, well, for Tim to do is to stay in Colombia. And I was shocked to hear him say that because usually therapists, you know, they just kind of like guide you in the right direction. But he was just like, this is what you need to do. And if you don't, it's not going to work. So there's that. And I was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) I feel Tim, though. It's like he he doesn't really want to leave, but he's super focused on not accumulating all of this debt while they try and figure out their relationship and not being being able to provide for him and my Lisa and whatever kind of family they may want in the future. Like, it's totally understandable. So I don't know about them. I still don't really care for this couple at all, but I am curious to see what comes of this because like, I don't really have a prediction. I don't know. Um, We get a quick little thing with Devin and Jihoon. So her parents and her sister, Raven, (laughs) come for the wedding and Jihoon is still scared shitless of Devin's mom, Alicia. And Alicia's like, Jihoon has a lot to prove to me before I believe that he's changed. So yeah. And that was really it. (laughs) That was really it. I just think it's hilarious that he's so scared of her. She's not scary at all, but whatever. So uh, last but not least, Kenny and Armando. So they, Kenny, Armando, and Hannah are going back to uh, this office about this whole getting married situation. And Hannah's asking questions and Armando explains everything to her. And Hannah calls the people that denied them ugly tricksters. And I, (laughs) I really loved that. And I love her even more. She's so cute and she's sassy. Love her. So they go to pick up uh, the denial letter so that they can take it to the human rights office and move forward with this process. And Armando reads this letter, this denial letter to Kenny, and it makes me physically ill. Okay, because 
denying gay people the right to get married is horrible and ridiculous already, but that letter makes it so much worse. It literally said something like, you can't do a same-sex marriage because we're trying to save the human species, and that can only be done with a man and a woman. So yeah, what? Honestly, fuck off. Listen, like, that is such a disgusting thing to say to someone. Imagine you've already gotten denied and told that you can't marry the person that you love just because you happen to be the same sex. And then you get a bullshit letter like that, just like kicking you when you're down. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Like that is disgraceful. And I just feel so bad for them. It's so unfair. Like I can't, I can't even imagine. And I just really hope that they are able to get married. So then, you know, Kenny can stay and he can get a job and they can just like have their lives together. It's just not fair. Um, so that's actually it. Sorry to end it on such a sad note. (laughs) It's really sad. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'll be back with a new episode probably tomorrow or Wednesday. I'm going to talk Potomac and Below Deck. In the meantime, you can head over to patreon.com slash bitches better for some bonus content. I got a lot of shit up over there, you guys. (laughs) So check it out. Um, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at mainly Bravo. And you can also follow the uh, podcast Instagram page at bitches better podcast. I love y'all and I will talk to y'all soon. Bye.